Officer Jermaine Galloway is an alcohol compliance officer with the Boise, Idaho Police Department and the creator of the Tall Cop Says Stop website and presentations. He took some time out of his busy schedule at this year's Lifesavers Conference to sit down with us to discuss how he got started with alcohol and drug prevention education, changes in drug culture and how it has impacted what he's teaching, a few things officers should look for when making a traffic stop, how LELs can bring themselves up to speed on what's happening in the drug world, and why what law enforcement does in this area matters. Tell me a little bit about yourself and the development of the presentations that you do with the Tall Cop Says Stop. I'm a police officer. I've been working uh, in Idaho law enforcement since 1997, so that's the only state that I've ever worked in. When I first got into law enforcement, I worked in Canyon County Jail for about a year just as a jail deputy, and then I moved over and worked in Courts and Transports Division. Then I went from there to a smaller police agency, had about maybe 50-something officers. No, city of Caldwell, I worked there for a year, and then I went over to Boise in 1999, which is where I'd wanted to work the whole time. I come from a larger city, uh, Orange County, California, so uh, I had wanted, you know, I'm a little more of a large city guy, not necessarily New York or Chicago guy, but I wanted to li live in a city that was a little bit bigger. So I went to work for Boise, started there just doing patrol. And then I went from there to crime scene investigation, which is what I did for two and a half years. As I tell people, it's not nearly as interesting as the TV show. And then uh, I went from there to the DUI task force. And that's what really started getting my interest in alcohol and substance abuse. Was I worked at for just about a year. During that time, I arrested a little over 100 DUIs. I think it was 101 DUIs, if I remember right, in that year. And then um, I started really getting an interest in kind of doing some more proactive things, putting together projects and doing stuff like that. So directly from the DUI task force, I put in for what we call community policing unit. It's been a pretty competitive unit to get into within my department. A lot of people really have an interest in going to it. So for the community policing, or we're called NCOs, neighborhood contact officers, I put in for that the first time. I actually didn't get it the first time I tested for it. And I missed it by one. They took three. There was 10 people put in. They took three, and I was number four, barely number four. So it opened again about a year, year and a half later. I put in for it again. I want to say there was six or seven who put in, and I, got, I finished number one on that one. It was really close, but I, I finished number one. The city's broken into 10 geographical areas, mm -hmm. and when you go in, you just go to the area that's open. So luckily, the area that was open was the area that was of my most interest, which has the university in it. So it has Boise State, homes, businesses, all of that going on. So I have students living with traditional families that have been there 20 years. Once I got into that spot, that's what really got the ball rolling into kind of what I do because I just saw a need. I saw gaps for education. I saw gaps for enforcement. So I started putting together party patrol programs, compliance checks, shoulder taps, cops in the shops, fake IDs, all of it, anything with really alcohol. And then I started noticing that there had to be more of an association with the drug world too. Mm -hmm. So I started educating myself more on the drug side, learning more about that, what's going on, trends, and that's kind of what got it all rolling, was really wanting to learn more so I could be a better police officer. You do a number of presentations. They're all customized for your audience, but what, I mean, who do you speak to? What audiences do you really try to reach out to? I speak to everybody. The main groups that I probably seem to get the most requests for would be law enforcement and educators. And educators could be districts, leadership, could be counselors, anyone in the educational system, and it could be K through 12 or college. Those seem to be the main groups, but 
other groups I'm starting to speak to quite a bit more are doctors. I just did a, a medical conference for about 300 doctors. I'm getting more of those requests. You know, of course, I speak to highway safety personnel, talk to parents, I talk to prevention, I talk to all the groups, really anyone in the community who would have an interest in drug or alcohol prevention education. When you're talking to the traffic safety law enforcement, mm -hmm. what kind of topics do you think are most relevant for them to understand and learn about? Well, that's kind of a hard one. There's a lot that are relevant, but then I kind of look at what's relevant within my expertise level, because obviously I don't know everything, and that's why it's always, you know, people bring in different presenters who have different strengths. But what's relevant for them within what I know and where I vision myself being strong at would be everything from stash compartments to, I also say the non-verbal logos and nonverbal identifiers, stickers on the back of vehicles, what do those mean? The bracelets people are wearing, the necklaces, the t-shirts, the shoes, lanyards, how does all that stuff play in to the drug or alcohol world, to impaired driving? Whether it's a possible identifier, whether it means maybe they just want to associate with a group, maybe there's a small chance they don't even know what it means. Or maybe they're using the stash compartments and hiding handcuff keys and when you're a rural trooper and your next assist is an hour away so your suspect having a handcuff key is a really big deal so thinking about stuff like that it's kind of all relevant to them so and that's why i try to mix it up and not just lock right into one little topic so not just talk for two hours about stash compartments that'd be it i try to throw a bunch of different things in there too so they're kind of getting a well-rounded version of everything one thing that people are talking a lot about at the conference where there's high interest in is the effects of legalization of marijuana for recreational use in washington and colorado and some of the outcomes on that for traffic safety can you talk about how the recent trends in marijuana legalization have affected or changed the way in which the youth and drug users identify themselves, or is there any change in the culture? Yeah, the change in the culture is pretty significant. A lot of that, in my opinion, is because of this. You have multiple states kind of doing their own thing. And because many of the groups that are opening up shop, literally shops in those states, aren't doing it in multiple states. So I don't have one company that's coming in, opening up a shop in six different states, because then we would be able to kind of tell what they're selling. They're gonna be selling the same products, right? Yeah. A couple things might change, but for the most part, they're gonna be the same. What we have is six different groups opening up one in each state. So what that's doing is yielding different products coming out of the states. And what that means for us is it's harder to identify, because as we know, those products are not staying in the states. So instead of having to, un you know, like your tape recorder, having to identify that one and understand that one, now I have to understand six different ones in Oregon, six different ones in Colorado, six different ones in California, wherever. And now that's making it a little more difficult because as an instructor, I have to learn about those. Before I can teach you, I might have a pretty good idea about it, but I have to learn. I have to learn what every single button means, how it works, why you like that tape recorder more than others, why it's popular for you. And I have to learn every little thing about it. And then I have to sit back and say, what is going to be relevant for you for me now to teach you? So do I want to teach you about all 18 or do I just want to teach you about two of them? Or depending on how much time do I have to, to show you. So you have to kind of learn what's going on. But as things are shifting and more and more things are popping up, because legalization is a big one, but don't forget other drugs are trending also. So they're evolving. I was explaining it to a group last night. Uh, one of the gentlemen, one of the officers had his wife here and, and she was kind of, you know, didn't know a lot about any of this stuff. So I'm explaining it to her. And I said, the simplest way to understand it is they've paved a road. So marijuana has paved a road. Just imagine they've gone through the forest and chopped down a bunch of trees and paved a road. 
there's two things that are going to occur. One is other drugs are going to look down that road and go, we can go down that road too. So we're going to see other drugs coming in an edible form. We're going to see other drugs in uh, more of an odorless form. We're going to see all this other stuff coming. It could be in two weeks. It could be in 10 years. But we're going to see other drugs doing the same thing that we see the marijuana world doing. And then secondly, that road is splintering with side roads, and now those side roads have side roads. So you have to pay attention to the main road, but then all the side roads too. And that's where it can get pretty comprehensive for people and time consuming. And then I think that's where instructors and presenters start to come into play. Because everyone's not gonna track all of that. So that's where we come into play to help you understand it and track what's going on. So if an officer is making a stop, what are a few things that you would say to be on the lookout for? So if you're just talking substance abuse and not officer safety, as you're walking up to the vehicle, you should be looking at any type of stickers, logos, or anything, including the license plate, license plate cover, any, any of that stuff, to see what identifiers are there. You obviously want to be looking at the people, and you want to be looking at them head to toe. You want to be really looking hard at them, at any of the stuff they're wearing or identifying with, even certain clothing brands. It doesn't mean that it automatically means they're using drugs. It doesn't. What it means is there could be something there that could be a red flag, and then you need to figure out what that red flag is and what it means. You also want to be looking at the stuff they have in the car. Some of the best stash compartments in today's day and age are made to be in plain view. It's not the magnet under the car. It's not something tucked under the seat. It's actually sitting right in the center console. Because if you think about it, most of us would say, why would they leave it sitting right there when I walk up? Well, that's the point, because you're not going to ask, right? And that's why uh, e-cigs have become so darn popular, it's because they are made to be used in public. They're made to be uh, used right in front of you and for you to not even think twice about it. So that's why we're seeing so much popularity. I'll, I'll, I'll show a video clip today where when I got to town here, one of the things I did the first night was I just I wanted to prep for my presentation. So I went around a little bit and I'll show a video clip where a guy walks right in and buys an e-cig and he, he asks, he goes, hey, that's for waxes and oils, right? The clerk's like, yep. And he goes, okay, I'll take it and buys it and walks right out the door. Um, I'll show that today to the class and just how quickly those things, those transactions are taking place. E-cigs are extremely popular right now in the drug world. One thing that LELs can do is bring you in, obviously, to come in and talk right. with their, talk with the officers. What are some other things that they can do to bring themselves up to speed on some of the developments and to help train the officers on what to look for? The hard part is you're gonna to have to develop a baseline because bringing up to speed is not super easy right now in the drug world because there's so much going on. Bringing up to speed could take you 10 or 15 hours a week of just hammering it, hammering it, hammering it. And then the hard part is things can change city to city, but not as much that way. You can see things change state to state, region to region. One thing your LEL might be telling you on the East Coast, you're not seeing it at all out West. And then what you're telling him you're seeing, he's not seeing it at all. So then they're like, okay, well, where do we start? Is it just popular in our region? Is it more popular and I don't know about it? And now I got to know, learn all of it. So that's the hard part. So one of the first things to do is get, get yourself up and create a baseline and then start working from there. I tell people, if you go to some of these websites, you can dive in for hours. It just leads you to another one, to another one, which leads you to a term, which you research that term, which leads you to another term, and you learn more terms. And then you start looking up the logos. You go to images, you look up the logos associated with it. Then all of a sudden you see some random logo. You're like, what's that? And you're researching that. I mean, you can spend hours just splintering off. For them to start kind of learning and following those splinters where they lead them and start picking up on some of these things. Like for instance, when I, I did the medical conference last week, 
and I had one of the doctors come up, I believe she was from Florida, and she was, she's a family doctor, and she was, one of my patients said that they're using this. Have you heard of that? I said, never heard of it before, never heard that term. But I wrote it down, I was gonna look it up. The next day, one of my colleagues from the East Coast goes, hey, did you see this article out of Florida? And he sends me the article with the same term, <laughs> the same exact term. I go, funny you ask. No, I hadn't, but someone yesterday mentioned that. So, you know, now I'm getting two people from two different areas bringing up the same thing. So now do we have something that's trending? Right. So now I need to start looking harder at that, you know, because that's not a coincidence. So now you start looking into it and looking into it and then lo and behold, maybe it's something I already know about or maybe it's something totally new. But that's how you start educating yourself. Don't, don't just go, oh, no, I haven't, and then disregard it. If someone asked, obviously they're hearing something, you at least want to dig into it and look and see if it's anything relevant. If not, then you don't worry about it or you kind of put it on the back burner, but sometimes it is relevant and you start digging into it even more. Do you have any good places to start? That's the hard part, especially in the, in the, in the, yeah. mar in the marijuana world. I tell people there's a lot of good online and regular articles coming out of the state of Colorado. I mean, Colorado, no matter how you want to sit on it, there's a bunch of issues coming out of legalization, but I mean, those are what they are. We can't just sit around and just focus on those. What you really want to look at what information is coming out of there, good and bad, but what info is coming out of there? Because we know that state is trending really, really quickly, and they're kind of changing the culture in some ways, positive or negative, but they're changing it. So what can I learn from them? What can I learn from what's going on? What can I learn from what people are doing, what people are buying, selling, talking about? So you can, you can go to some of those and start looking at those and actually see kind of what's going on before other states are seeing it. You can see what's going on just at a simple newspaper article coming out of the state of Colorado. How can LALs work with schools, with parent organizations, with other community organizations to right. help increase awareness among parents for their children's behavior? First year, you're going to have a hurdle. Most people in the community, so non-law enforcement, non-medical, non-educators, non-groups who kind of know that things are significantly changing. Um, they think they already know drug education. When you talk drug education, they go, hey, you know, I smoked the joint in high school. I know what it does. I, that's what they think you're saying when you say drug education. They think you're saying something very simple and very basic. And then usually when you show up and at the end, they are dumbfounded. They had no idea. When you first reach out to those groups, and sometimes it should not you waiting for them to reach out to you, you need to reach out to them. But when you reach out to those groups, you need to explain this isn't really just drug education. And the sad part is I've been trying to think of a different name for it. I can't find a different <laughs> name because you still need to say drug education so people get it, but I can't figure out the great name because drug education, when you say that right now, just goes to, I know that stuff. So it's kind of overcoming those hurdles but then explaining that and then getting into those groups and then putting together a pretty good hard-hitting program that's not too long, it's about an hour and a half, maybe, maybe you go three hours with a break in the middle, but a hard-hitting program where they feel like they learned something. Um, one of the things I like to do in my presentations is at the very beginning, put a couple things that I know you don't know. Because you have to remember, a lot of us have gone to trainings, especially in law enforcement, and they weren't good trainings. So we walk in sometimes already skeptical, you know, that we read the flyer and we're like, I don't know if that's going to be any good. We sit there, we're already skeptical, and if the instructor in the first 10 minutes goes into very basic stuff, he could, he or she could start to lose their audience. And now we're on the Blackberries, we're on the iPhones, we're answering emails, and we're not even paying attention anymore. So one of the things that I think really all instructors should do is put something up front that you know majority of your class doesn't know. Because then, guess what, the person sits back and goes, ooh, wait, 
I just learned something. I've only been here five minutes and I just learned something. And now you have their attention. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to lock into you the whole time. Then you can go into your basic stuff, you know, because we have to put basic to lead into the non-basic. So then you could do that. But that's some of the stuff you should kind of start thinking about when you're piecemealing it together. Is there anything else that you think is important for LELs to keep in mind or important priorities for LELs to undertake in their states? One priority, especially when speaking to law enforcement that I would share with the LELs is this. Right now in some areas, it can be pretty discouraging to be a law enforcement officer with all the drug changes that are happening, all the law changes. It kind of seems like, you know, you've been fighting this battle for 15 years and then, you know, some people are just saying we give up and just throwing their hands up. But the one thing is this, and I explain this to law enforcement, educators, counselors, everybody. If we weren't doing what we do, it would be a lot worse. So yeah, you could get a little frustrated right now. It could be a little disappointing right now. Remember the big picture. If you're not doing what you do, things are a lot worse than what they are. They are a lot worse than what they are. And it's hard to kind of see that side. But if we just quit giving drug education, if we quit, quit doing drug enforcement, if we quit upholding the laws and just said, forget it, what well, it's all gonna happen anyways, maybe certain things are gonna happen. But without us doing what we need to do, this the communities would be very unhealthy and they would be very unsafe. So just to kind of remember to kind of keep your head up and what you're doing does matter. Although, you know, some of the laws have changed, maybe certain things don't matter as much, but they all still do matter. And that's the way you have to look at it. We can't just throw our hands up in the air and give up. So we gotta, we gotta stay active. We, because if we're not doing it, who is? Well, thank you very much for your time and thank you for the work that you're doing. You're welcome.